0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Great. And boy, are you going to love this edition today. I've been looking forward to this for a while. And for the last few hours before we've connected, because we're 11 hours difference in uh, timeline, I've been... uh, listening to Brian Longridge play piano and reading his blogs and seeing about the ministry that he's doing. And I just, I kept getting more and more exciting thinking, oh man, Lord, I hope, come on, speed this up. I want to get started. And now here we are. So our guest today is Brian Longridge. He was born in Belfast, North Ireland. He's a trained classical and jazz pianist, and I hope you can listen to him online and especially in person, too. He's really good. He studied at Berklee College of Music in Boston, and after having a beautiful encounter with God in his early 20s, he felt called to use his gift as an instrument of deep healing and for broken people. And boy, has he been doing that. Over the last 25 years, he and his Dutch wife, Myrte Anisha, have shared the father's love in music and song in heavy crime prison places in the Philippines and in leprosy camps and in other places around the world. He's a writer, He poetically articulates the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a wonderful way. He's released instrumental CDs, and later on we'll tell you where you can get those, to purchase those. And his deepest heart is to help people see the beautiful union that they've been freely given in Christ and see them experience the intimacy that they're made for. So, welcome my new friend, Brian Longridge.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you, Paul.
0: Thank you. It's 10 o'clock at night, my time, as we're recording this. It's 9.30 in the morning where you are, but we're here thanks to the wonderful gift of technology, and Brian, as, as we always do, I want to start out by asking you, how has your understanding of God's unconditional love and grace for everyone. How's that changed your life? How's it changed your relationships with your beautiful wife and your, your children, the people you come in contact with uh, just in every day, day life and everything you do? What kind of difference has it made in your life?
1: Well, I was brought up in Belfast in the midst of a lot of tensions in church life, of course. I played music in church since I've been like uh, eight years old. But because of being involved in such a tense place where there was a lot of fighting and animosity between Protestants and Catholics, there was always something inside of me that asked, where is the love of God in all of this? And Mm. later on, I mean, I was schooled as a, a musician. I was schooled as a classical and jazz pianist. I studied at Berkeley. And while I was there, I... Did a lot of performances and enjoyed just playing BBC, radio, different things like that. Uh, Short story forward, I would say about 22 years old, I had an encounter with the love of God. I had an encounter with this unconditional love of God that kind of filled the depth of my soul and answered what I had been longing for because I always knew deep, deep, deep down inside that there was something greater than religion, there was something more beautiful, more welcoming, more inclusive than just this uh, prejudicial and partisan and very dogmatic atmosphere that I grew up in. And so that really, really changed my life. And I met my wife and uh, well, she grew up in different nations around the earth. So she was really exposed to a suffering and the rejection of different cultures and sense of rejection. And I was also born with a paralyzed eyelid when I was young. So I also received a a lot of rejection as a child. And I remember after that experience of God's Holy Spirit and his His love filling me, he, he asked me, he said, would you come and just play music to me? would you just play music to me? I know you play music for people and it's beautiful, but play music to me as well. And I went into my room and I began to just play music to God, just creative, spontaneous music at that time. And while I was doing that, I began to weep uncontrollably and God began to heal the parts of my heart that I had repressed and that I I had kept under and you know how you go into denial and you go into coping mechanisms and so like that Uh, and all of that tension and pain that I felt growing up in Northern Ireland where the fear was palpable and I saw people shot in the name of religion and killed in the name of religion and People burnt out of their houses and segregation in our neighborhoods. All of that began to fade away in the reception of the love of God. And I began to weep as I was playing. And God spoke to me and he says, I want you to take this gift that you have. And I want you to bring healing to people. I want you to bring healing to people who are outcasts. I want you to share my grace and love with people in society. And that is what uh, we've been doing ever since. So my wife, she also understood that pain and she also understood what it was like being a foreigner living in an, like an exile in Iran and Africa and different places where she grew up. So she had a heart also and I, I met her in the Netherlands and she said to me, uh, anyway, we, we got closer and closer It's a long story, but he said to me, where would you, we decided to get married and she said, where would you like to spend your honeymoon? And I thought, well, I don't know, I mean, You know, I was just thinking of some exotic place or something like that. But she says, why don't we go spend our honeymoon in a leprosy camp? And I thought, well, it's not exactly Costa del Sol or Hawaii or something like that. But I felt something in my heart that was congruent and synergistic with what she was saying. And uh, we just uh, decided to go off to Indonesia and uh, We brought our keyboard with us, and there we met people who had grown up in a normal way, but because of the stigmatism of leprosy, their children had disavowed them and left them and never came to visit them. Beautiful people. And so we just bring the keyboard, and we just start singing the father heart of God, singing the unconditional love of God over them and tears and pain would just come up inside their heart and and we could see that god by his holy spirit was just setting them free on the inside and that is something that we have done all over the world since then
0: i don't have words to describe how i feel when you say that i i mean i've seen the pictures on your website and the smiles and the looks of of gratitude and love and appreciation and feelings of inclusion and acceptance that i see in, in the pictures of the people that you have your arms around and uh, and that you're hugging and i can just imagine the conversations going on and gosh the difference that you've made in people's lives god's love has you know, I, a lot of times I talk to people and I say, "Well, you know, God's love has really helped me with the people I meet at the at the grocery store, or uh, you know, when we're waiting in line somewhere or whatever." And and yes. that, and it's wonderful. I mean, that is good. But gosh, yes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where where you've gone and what you're doing is. Um, I don't quite know how to put words to it. I'm just—I'm so touched. And you go into prisons as well?
1: Yes, we we lived in the Philippines for fifteen years, and we would go into the heavy crime prison, which which has maybe two thousand people in it, and we'd go in there every week into different cells. A cell would have like thirty prisoners. They're all sitting on their beds with no shirt on. It's smelly. It's it's really dirty. People on the floor gambling and so like that. And we just set up our keyboard. And you know, these people are, have been people who are the product of drug abuse in the Philippines. And they have no sense of fatherhood, no sense of being fathered, no sense of being brought up in strength and security and the unconditional love of God. And, and so they have these coping mechanisms and walls around their heart. And they're standing there and they got tattoos and they're sitting on their beds just looking at you. My wife would share her testimony where she received just the free grace of God while she was in a really dismal. She had a miraculous encounter where God lifted up her head and she got shocked. She couldn't see anything, but she felt a finger lifting. Up her head, it's a long story, but God infused her with unconditional love and unconditional that grace in her life. And she would share her testimony and we'd set the keyboard up and we'd just share. And all of a sudden what would happen is like you would just feel this tangible love in the room and The walls would just start coming down and these tough guys, they just start crying and just receiving that the beauty of his love and the atmosphere of heaven and the love of God. And we felt such favor going into that prison. We never felt afraid. We always felt that God was there welcoming us because we could see God inside of them wanting to express himself, wanting to, like like Paul on the Damascus Road, it actually says in the Greek that it pleased the Lord to reveal Christ, not to me, but Christ inside of me. And Christ was already inside of them waiting to be revealed. And it's like that, you know, we go in there, but we're connecting and synergizing with the heart and the love of God, although it's already been with them since they were born. And they begin, when they begin to feel it, they begin to resonate and they begin to just turn, they begin to metanoia. And, and so many things are changed in their lives. So we would come away from those encounters in the prison, just in the car, we'd weep, we'd be crying and we'd be laughing at the same time. There were some insane people in the prison where we couldn't even get into. They would lock them up, but they allowed us to come in and we would just share simple stories and sit on the floor. Some of them are chained, you know, <laughs> and we just share the love of God there. You know, it's very unconventional in a sense, but we find that God's love and his goodness show up in these unconventional places in and, and so many creative and beautiful ways because he loves to be in the mess. He loves to be in the chaos. He's the God whose love creates order in the midst of chaos and brings beauty in the midst of hopelessness. So we just felt being relying on the Holy Spirit and his guidance and his love for people. And it's a joy. I I mean, his... His yoke is easy and His burden is light, and it was just a pleasure for us to be involved in this
0: places. The joy comes through you. His joy comes through you, gosh, and your countenance and your speaking. And I so resonate with uh, what you talked about in what Paul said in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, that God was pleased to reveal Christ in him so that he could go and preach Christ in the Gentiles. And the fact that you mentioned that you could see Christ in them where he had been since their birth even before their birth gosh it makes all the difference in the world when we go to people seeing them as Christ does as as the father as the holy spirit do seeing Christ in them already Absolutely. not seeing them as separate or other than or excluded and not telling them, well, you've got to do this to get God to come in. Exactly. So this did God reveal these things to you just supernaturally? Did you get this from some teaching from other people? How'd that come about?
1: Well, I've always been an avid lover of reading, and I grew up in quite a kind of mixture of Pentecostalism. My dad read a lot of evangelical books, so I had a penchant for reading since an early age. And I was always buying books at the bookstore because I believe that, you know, we have these desires for God, but these desires for God, God is already previous to these desires. The reason we have these desires is because God has been desiring us and He puts these desires in us to come after Him. And so I would read like a lot of evangelical theology as a young person, but. There was just something inside of me that did not totally satisfy because I felt there was something of union that was missing. There was this kind of almost like a a feeling of separation, feeling of detachment, a feeling of having all your ducks in a row, uh, jumping through all the right hoops. So then I came to people, I would say some influences in my life have been people like Peter Hyatt, for instance. I don't know if you know him. I do. He just believes in uh, just God's inclusivity of the human race. It's almost like you have a certain position, and especially growing up in Northern Ireland, you become very dogmatic about your position. But I believe God is more concerned in us being secure in love than us being secure in our sense of rightness. You know, we have so many people... In the world, they love to flaunt their sense of righteousness and their sense of rightness. But when we are secure in the love of God, any theological inclinations that we have become a servant, in a sense, to the very core of the Godhead, the very core of God. You know, so if we start off with the juxtaposition that God is primarily holy, which I believe he is, and we don't start off with the foundation that God is love, then everything that we believe after that, it's going to affect. And so, this love of God and the grace of God was just dawning on my heart, this dissatisfaction. And I began to read other books by Clark. Pinnock on the Holy Spirit, some books by Greg Boyd, which went into details basically of how we project our images of God in the Old Testament onto his face and showing us that there is a trajectory throughout the Old Testament coming into the new covenant where Christ is revealed, where you only see in part in the Old Testament, but you begin to see the fullness you see Christ as the total exegesis of the Father. So everything that you need to know about God you see in him, you know what I mean? And so you don't see him killing and slaughtering different nations and stuff like that. And so just that sense of love for the other dawned in me also. people who were not like us. I was brought up in an environment where you would give lip service to God's love for people. But if the Catholics were other than me, You would hate them. You would have prejudice towards them and that whole swimming in prejudice. But the whole thing of the beauty of the gospel and the love of God, that you have love and unconditional love for people who are just not like you. You know what I mean? And I think uh, that's where the rubber hits the road. When you meet people who, uh, you know, Paul says, we know no man after the flesh, for all have died in Christ. You know what I mean? We're all part of the same cloth. And so these convictions deep inside have grown inside of me over the years. And when you see something, you kind of turn back because it changes your whole paradigm of life. And you realize that the whole journey of the human race, the whole journey, it's all about adoption. Before it's about sin management, before it's about sin or law, you have to go back to the very core of humanity. The core of God's heart and his wish for humanity is adoption. And everything comes into that, everything comes into place when we view those things in a proper context. So theology is important, but it must be the servant of the love and the core of God's heart. Then we get theology in the right place.
0: Well said. And- I'm a little older than you, <laughs> so I've I've had a little more life experience, I guess. I've been a pastor for over thirty years now, and the more I come to uh, grasp God's unconditional love and grace, the less I have any appetite at all for doctrine statements of faith or uh, dogmas or religious tradition there's nothing wrong with traditions and there's some things that I enjoy and that touch my heart but everything has to be subservient to God's unconditional love for everyone yes that's the only doctrine that to me has any meaning at all and that covers everything
1: it does exactly it sums up the whole law right and the prophets that's it yeah you can't go higher yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you can't. And that, as you said before, your phrase where the river hits the road, when we start to see other people as God sees them, see Mm. him in them, see his love for everyone, whether they're Catholics or Protestant Mm. or uh, Irish or Dutch Mm -hmm. or Americans or Philippines. I mean, uh, none of that makes any difference anymore. And it brings about a joy and a a peace and uh, just a sweetness to life that wasn't there for me before when i was caught up into religion and uh, i think maybe the most important thing to me unfortunately for a long time was proving that i was right and that that my doctrine was right and yours was wrong and you had to come around to my way of thinking and oh it's an awful way to live
1: that's right i've seen the implications of that attitude of church splits and And just so, you know, I believe all of these things are very much just there's shot through with insecurity. There's shot through because, you know, when you are so secure in the love of God, you don't need to compete with anybody else. You don't need to perform. There is a peace around you. There's a peace within your heart. There's something miraculous happening inside of you that solidifies you as a person and roots you deeply in the unconditional love of God that you know that you can just abide and not be triggered by those old mindsets and it's just it's old wineskins it's just death there's no
0: life in it there's not at all there's not at all Brian i can't believe our time has gone by so quickly. Uh, we're going to need to finish up in a minute and hopefully we can come back and do uh, part two of this. But uh, before we finish, tell people how they can find you online, where they can find out about your work, how they can support you, where they can find your music. I'll mention that in print, too, when the podcast comes out. But uh, tell us how they can find you.
1: OK, well, uh, we have a website. I don't know if you can see this or not. If I can put it up.
0: Yeah, HealingRiversInternational, com.
1: That's it for anybody to see. And well, on that website, it tells you everything that we do. And it also tells you ways of supporting us. We also have a, a, a store where you can buy our CDs on there as well. They can also, if anybody would like to support us, this is our PayPal address. For those who have PayPal
0: Brian Myrta, underscore Longridge at yahoo.com.
1: So that's our PayPal address and our bank account details and everything, a routing number, everything that is on the website. If you go on to the store and then click on more and then it says support us and then all the details are there. I also have a YouTube channel. People search me on YouTube, Brian Longridge, all my videos will come up. And we're also on CD Baby. People can also buy music as well. On iTunes also.
0: Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for telling us that. Thank you for sharing with all those things. And the next time we visit, we'll talk a little bit more about support for you and how that enables you to do what you're doing. But we're going to close up now. Brian, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and we'll look forward to doing it again.
1: Thank you. Really looking forward to doing it again. It was a beautiful talk. Very short, but
0: beautiful. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group. Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.